Welcome to Your Lot and Parcel Podcast with your host, Benjamin Diaz, designed strictly for you, the consumer. You will find that this platform has your best interests at heart. Welcome to my show. This is Benjamin here. As far as I can remember, Earl Haggard has been one of my favorite artists in the country sound. And I'm not alone with that sentiment, I want you to know. Merle Haggard is, with the arguable exception of Hank Williams, as the single most influential singer, songwriter in country music history. He's certainly one of the genre's most versatile artists. Stylistically, he mined the honky-tonk sound, blues, jazz, pop, and folk. What was it like for him growing up, and what kind of a man was he? We'll be talking about that. The song Mama Tribe probably gives you an idea. Let's invite my guest. She is the historian for the Kern County Museum located in California. Here she is, Rachel Hads. We're talking about Merle Haggard today and uh, his contribution to the world of music. In fact, he's regarded as the cornerstone figure of the Bakersfield Sound and uh, I really have loved his music along the way, and I'm happy to have Rachel on the show today to help us to understand, to get to know this man and his legacy. Before we get into our topic, uh, uh, Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization you represent, if you would. Yes, of course. I'm very happy to be here today. So my name is Rachel Hads, and I work for the Kern County Museum. I am the historian here. And that entails me helping people with their research requests, working in the archives, as well as uh, designing exhibits. And right now we're working on our new Bakersfield Sound exhibit. So this podcast came at a perfect time. Um, The museum itself um, houses about 60 different buildings from around Kern County, houses and stores and stuff like that that have been preserved here and recreated as they originally look. So people can walk around our Pioneer Village, as it's called, and feel like they're back in old Kern. Yeah, very good. I've been there a few times. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, Kern County, it's about 100 miles north of Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a very nice uh, city. And there's lots to, lots to do in Kern County. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so if, if you would be uh, so gracious and tell us, who was this? Who was this man known as Merle Haggard? Rachel? So as you said, Merle Haggard was the cornerstone of the Bakersfield Sound. You can't talk about one without the other. Mm -hmm. Um, But Merle Haggard was actually born here in Bakersfield. He was born in a little sub-community called Oildale, um, which is just north of Bakersfield, but it's pretty much considered the same. Mm -hmm. He was born on April 6, 1937 um, to Flossie and James Haggard, who had migrated here from Oklahoma with their two older uh, children, Lillian and James who were about 15 and 16 years older than Merle when he was born. So there's a big age gap between them. Um, They were, the older children were born in Oklahoma and they moved here in 1934, about two uh, two to three years before Merle was born. Mm. That's interesting. I I know that takes us back a a little bit in in time. So what uh, what can you tell us a little bit more about, um, well, his childhood and uh, of course. Right. So when Merle was 10 years old, his father actually died from a brain hemorrhage. 
And that completely changed Merle's life because from that point on, it was just really him and his mother since his siblings were older and in their 20s at that point. Um, And from then on, he became a well-known troublemaker. Um, He was skipping school, forging checks, um, stealing, and he didn't really make life easy for his mom in the beginning there. Um, When he was 12, though, his brother gave him his first guitar. And that was a pivotal moment for him because he taught himself how to play the guitar and realized that music was his passion. Um, His life didn't completely change quite yet, though, because by the age of 14, him and his friend uh, actually snuck on a train and hitchhiked to Texas. And they stayed there for about a year. Um, And they were arrested multiple times for, again, robbery. Um, He was eventually sent to Modesto. Um, They actually escaped from a juvie in Uh, Texas and went to Modesto together Mm. and there they also were sent to a juvenile hall again for robbery and they were working side jobs when they could but by this point they were only 14 15 years old Mm -hmm. and so he grew up very fast and you know education wasn't his priority at that point he just wanted to live (laughs) and so his first performance was actually during that time when he was in Modesto they performed at a local bar in Modesto called Fun Center and they were paid $5 and free beer. <laughs> and so that's what they, that was his very first performance. Wonderful. And after that, he returned home to Bakersfield and again was sent back to the juvenile hall multiple times. Um, mm. He was even sent to a high security detention center for 15 months. Mm. Um, so he had a very rough and tumble teenage years and childhood. Um, he was doing a lot of things he shouldn't have, but I think that was just Merle's personality and how he needed to learn. Right. Right. Well, without a, a father figure, you know. It, yeah, it, it, he it, did. It it, difficult. Yeah. yeah, it completely changed his life, I think, when his father died when he was so young. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. Um, in fact, I understand his uh, mother even referred to him as incorrigible. Is that is that true? <laughs> yes, she did. Oh, yes, <laughs> she tried her best. But after yeah. um, his father died, she had to get a job to support her and Merle. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just she couldn't do it all. And she's only human. And Merle was a troublemaker. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he, a lot of it, uh, a lot of the experiences, I, I, I know that he uh, uh, was demonstrable in his music and his songs. You know, like the one Mama tried, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that song because I think it lays it all out perfectly. <laughs> I, th- I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know he was born in General Hospital. From reading mm-hmm. a little bit about him, and um, he had uh, at least I know he at least had one brother. Did he have any more siblings than that? Yes, he so he had a brother and a sister, and then the, he also had an older sister who passed away as an infant. Um, I'm not sure of her name, but um, so he had Lillian and James were his siblings. Um, but again, they were already pretty older by the time Merle was born. So he kind of grew up as an only child because they were out living their own lives by that point. But um, they are they were very close as time went on. And Lillian's actually still alive. She's still with us. Um, she celebrated her 101st birthday this year. Is that right? She's yeah. still in uh, Bakersfield? Yes, she is. How about that? Well, bless her heart. Yes. Wow. Amazing. Well, he um, came a long ways. I mean, it's really a, mm-hmm. a true story of uh, from rags to riches, you know? Right. Uh, when we talk yeah. about Merle Haggard. He was born what year and what year was uh, his demise? Uh, so he was born April 6, 1937, 37. and he actually died on April 6, I believe, 2016. Let me double yeah. check on that. Yeah, 2016. So he died on his 79th birthday yeah. um, from complications from pneumonia. Yeah. yeah. 
I remember, uh, I remember that uh, the announcement on that. Mm-hmm. But along the way, uh, the sixties, seventies. I mean, he really, uh, yeah, was uh, quite a quite a, a talented man. He also appeared in movies and TV. I understand, correct? Yeah, he did every now and then. Um, he was pretty often on the local television show, um, the Cousin Herb Henson Trading Post Show, mm-hmm. which was a local Bakersfield show, and he had a pretty regular gig on there while it was on air. And then he also had guest appearances on shows like The Waltons and so forth. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember, I remember that uh, one episode on The Waltons. Yeah, and yeah. of course, uh, you know, he he had his guitar and, and sang <laughs> at that at that one episode. I remember that quite clearly. Well, that's wonderful. You know, t- tell us a, a little bit about his, uh, his on the history of the boxcar. I understand, which is a little unusual, you know, uh, to grow up yeah. in a boxcar. Tell us uh, the history on that. So the boxcar, so when um, Merle's family first came to Bakersfield, his father worked for the railroad company. And through that, um, they came here with little to no money. They left Oklahoma when their barn burned down back home. Mm. So they came here with little to no money. And he was offered a boxcar through his work that they could convert into a home. And so that's what they decided to do. And so as time went on, they added to it. And now when you look at it, you would never know that that's what it started as. Um, Now it's a white building covered in wood. It has two small bedrooms, a small kitchen and a small bathroom. And that's about it. But um, Merle's mom was really proud of that home and she took care of it. She put plants outside and painted and did all of that to make it a home for them. So they were very proud of it and we're very proud to have it now. Yeah. yeah. Of course, from reading, uh, uh, I believe uh, that box car comes from way back, what, 1911 mm-hmm. or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it's a very old box car. They got it in yeah. the 30s, but the 30s. it was um, out of commission by that point. It had been in the ni- early 1900s. Yeah, in the 30s. Well, well, I was right in the throes of the Great Depression. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, I understand they bought it for, what, $500? <laughs> yeah, pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, today's standards, and at today, least. Yeah, in today's standard. Back then, well, well you know, of course, uh, the Depression and things were... Yeah. Very tough and very difficult. Ten dollars a month, I understand. Where 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 was it located? This uh, this box car. So it was um in Oildale. Mm -hmm. The address um it was on. Let me double check on that so I don't give you the wrong address because you can Mm -hmm. still see the lot where it used to be today. Uh Um, I think I think I looked it up. Is it thirteen oh three Yosemite Drive? Yes, that's it. Perfectly. Um. So yeah, it was on that street. That so the lot is still there. The house is no longer there, of course. Now we yeah. have it. Um, yeah. And so we were able to get it here. Um, by the time we got it, though, it was pretty ragged looking. And mm-hmm. Lillian, even when we were moving it here, she went and looked at it right before it was moved. And she had a hard time looking at it because mm-hmm. it wasn't the house that she remembered that her yeah. mom took so much pride in. Right. And so once we were able to use her help, actually, and restore it how she remembered it and we're yeah. really happy to have it. And we get yeah. guests from all over the world coming to look at it. Oh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Of course, it's Bakersfield's a little bit uh, out of the beaten path, you know, yeah. but it is a worthwhile uh, tour. I mean, to take a detour to Bakersfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I imagine on the website, you have pictures and so forth. Uh, can you give us the, the website on that? Yeah. So our website is just kerncountymuseum.org. But we also have an app actually for our museum, okay. which is available on the Apple store as well as the Google Play store. And it's just under Kern County Museum. And if you download it, it's completely free. 
And on there, they can actually search all of the buildings that we have here at the museum and learn more about them and see pictures. Mm -hmm. So if they just search up a boxcar or Merle Haggard, anything of that sort, they will be able to find it and it will bring up more history and pictures of the family and pictures of the interior and exterior. Mm -hmm. Very good. And as far as uh, visiting, is that... um... Uh, what would be the hours on there? Right. So we're open um, Wednesday through Sunday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed myself every time I've gone over there. Because oh, yeah. yeah. Of, it's a, a especially a, Yeah. Especially on a nice day. You can oh, just walk gosh. around and it's yeah. a beautiful place. We're talking about Merle Haggard one of the most talented singer-songwriters in the country music industry. He was elected to the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1977, incidentally, and won the Country Music Hall of Fame membership in 1994. What was it that shaped and formed this man to succeed? And that is what we're talking about today with my guest, the historian of the Kern County Museum located in California. I encourage you. To see his childhood boxcar home and the link, you will find it in the show notes. Here's my guest, Rachel Hads. Um, would you say his musical talent uh, can be credited, uh, Rachel, can be credited with his saving, of saving him from, uh, from a life of run-ins with the law? Would you say that's uh... Absolutely, because um, in 1950, Merle ended up um, being sent to San Quentin Prison. And while he was in there, he actually planned an escape with another inmate, but decided not to go through with it. And (laughs) he ended up also in solitary confinement. And in there, he met another inmate who was on death row. And so I think his experience with these people on death row that he met with two people that ended up being executed and it completely changed his perspective. I believe that that wasn't the life that he wanted. And additionally, while he was in there, he actually met Johnny Cash and Johnny Cash had come to play a concert at the prison and that inspired him. Um, So while he was in prison, he got his GED. He started working at the textile mill and held that job. He also started working with a local country music band that the prison had formed. And so I think, that time in San Quentin really changed his life and saved him because it gave him uh, clarity on what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, that reminds me of the song that he came out with, uh, Sing, Me, Sing Me Home, I think, mm-hmm. uh, had, a, had a bearing on what he experienced there with yeah. his friend and so forth. Yeah. Wow. What, what a, what, uh, you know, what some of us go through, but it really had a, I mean, there's a, to every downside, there's an upside. And I, I think he took advantage of the upside on that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, let me ask you, since he got in trouble with the law along the way, was he ever granted a, a, a full pardon along the way? Yes, he was. And mm-hmm. so um, California governor at that time was Ronald Reagan and he gave him a full pardon, um, I believe in the seventies. Um, and so, yeah, 1972, he gave him a full pardon from all of his past crimes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's when he was governor, uh, mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Wow. I, I didn't know that. I really didn't oh, yeah. know that. Yeah. Well, that's great. <clears throat> you know, a musical, um, from a musical standpoint, who, who was the, that really uh, gave him a huge impression as a young right. man? Right. So um, when Merle was a teenager, him and his friend went to a Lefty Frizzle concert. Mm -hmm. 
And while he was there before the concert, he convinced Lefty Frizzle to let him sing for him. <laughs> and he did. And Lefty was so impressed that he refused to go out on stage before Merle went out first and performed. And I think that really gave him the ego boost that he needed, you know, to see that like somebody already country music famous believes in him. And so that was a big inspiration for him. And then once he got out of prison and all of that, he was accepted into Bill Woods's band here locally, who was a big name at the time here. Mm -hmm. And that really also gave him the boost and the motivation he needed. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, would you have an idea how many years he spent uh, uh, detained? So yeah. not total, like all of no. his juvenile detentions and right. all that. Yeah. But um, San Quentin, he was in there for about four years, I believe. Is that right? Four yeah. years. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, he experienced a lot, and um, but uh, apparently he latched on to his, uh, he found out very quickly what his talents were. And he Absolutely. Took yeah. advantage of that, yeah. That moment when his brother gave him his first guitar really changed it all. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. In fact, um, how would you say, how would you define his, uh, his personal genre of music, Rachel? Well, like we said, Merle's genre of music is the very definition of Victor's sound. Um, mm -hmm. You can't talk about one without the other. Mm -hmm. He had the very essence of what was um, the contrast between Victor's sound and the Nashville sound. So Nashville was very more strict, very much more to the rules. And Victor's sound was more hard, so to speak. Um, they used electric guitars and steel guitars, and they relied more heavily on drums and kind of had more of a rock and roll influence in there. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of like a mixture between country and rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll, a little bit of mm -hmm. blues, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You had a distinct, you know, you, you turn the radio or the uh, radio or, you know, you hear mm -hmm. some music, is that's got to be Merle Haggard. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very distinctive, you know. Yeah. yeah I, I really love his music. Um when we uh, visit the uh, the boxcar, uh, are there tickets to be had to get in there and view the, the, the museum? Or Yeah, so that's included with the museum admission. So ah, okay. um, the entire museum is included in that, and so will the new Big Shield Sound exhibit when that opens. Yeah, okay. And, of course, you got so many other buildings, historical buildings in there. Oh, yes, can, yes. Can, can I ask you what other buildings you have in the area that we can take a look at as well? Yeah, so we do have um, – we have stores and houses. So houses are, I personally think, the most interesting. Yeah. Um, so like we have a house that's a two-story, um, pretty much a mansion. Mm -hmm. And it's called the Howell House. It was built in the late 1800s. And it was one of the first prominent families from Bakersfield. So we have their building here. And then we also have um, an old courthouse from Havila. Um, we have neon sign. We have a neon courtyard. Um, which is pretty beautiful. We also have a transportation exhibit that highlights the um, change in cars throughout the years in Bakersfield. Mm, interesting. So mm -hmm. I, I remember a jailhouse too. Is there a jailhouse? Yeah. 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 We have two jails. One's very small. It was actually used by the Santa Fe uh, railroad. They would take it from station to station mm -hmm. and travel with prisoners that way. We have that here. And then we also have the jail right below the courthouse from Havila. Yeah. Now you can spend a day there, you know, and just have yeah, lunch and absolutely. just enjoy uh, all the history there. And, of course, uh, the boxcar of Merle Haggard. Um, what can you tell us as to uh, whether Merle operated um, outside the uh, Nashville 
system. Was he part of that or what would you say? I don't believe that he was because, mm-hmm. you know, there were instances where he would perform in Nashville and try to work with them, but Merle wanted to play his music his way. And at that time, Nashville was pretty strict with what they considered country music and what they considered it appropriate. And Merle wasn't going to be told not to have electric guitars. It just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. he had a mind of his own. Yes, and, absolutely. He always did. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so let me ask you this question there, Rachel. What are your thoughts of uh, or the importance of preserving mm-hmm. his original home and his legacy for future generations? Mm-hmm. Well, I think having his home here sends a really important message to the community, actually, because Oildale, where Merle was from, is kind of known as like the other side of the railroad tracks, so to mm-hmm, speak. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, it's quite literally the other side of the bridge that connect, that connects it from downtown. Mm-hmm. So it's not the most uh, affluential neighborhood in area of Bakersfield. And to see Merle come from there and go on to be this worldwide sensation, I think it's an extremely inspirational message and one that Bakersfield is proud of because there are other neighborhoods in Bakersfield that are in the same kind of boat. Mm -hmm. And it just sends a great message to the future generations that they can do it too. Yeah, I agree with you. And you get visitors from all over the place. huh? Oh, we do. Um, We surprisingly get quite a few visitors just to see the boxcar from like England and the UK and all that. that And it's like, yeah, they travel all that (laughs) way. And I think it's wonderful. It is. Um, Yeah. Whenever we hear that somebody's from that far away, we try to give them like an inside tour and everything. <laughs> that's quite a travel. It is. It is. Not too long ago, I did an episode on Johnny Cash, uh, mm-hmm. Childhood Home in Arkansas. And it's the same thing. People are just really intrigued uh, yeah. by the talent of these men. And uh, they come from all over the world. Yep. My gosh. So uh, let me ask you, what's your favorite song? Rachel? Oh, well, of course, like I said, Mama Tried is a <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. classic. Oh, I feel yeah. like that one is like the most common that we hear yeah. around yeah. town. Like at events, that one's always going to play for sure at some point. Yeah. Um, but also today I started loving you again is also a classic. Um, that oh, one was yes. written of course about Bonnie Owens and their mm-hmm. marriage, um, mm-hmm. who was also a huge inspiration on Merle's career was Bonnie Owens. Um, even after the divorce, they continued to work together and tour together and all that. Yeah. yeah that, that was uh, Buck Owens wife, I believe. Yeah. Right? That was originally Buck Owens wife. Yeah. Um, she left him just before they both came here to Bakersfield. And then years later was when she got together with Merle. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was, mm-hmm. a, I was just a little guy, uh, Rachel, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> maybe six years old, seven. I remember Buck Goins uh, singing mm-hmm. with his band running on the back of a flatbed truck, you know, mm-hmm. park, over in a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember, that was Buck. That, yeah. I remember that <laughs> so clearly. So Bakersfield is really, um, how would you say it? Um, there's a lot of talents come out of Bakersfield. Yeah. A lot yeah. of talent. My favorite song would be one of them anyway. My, my favorite memory is one. Big City mm-hmm. is another of my favorites. And yes. this one also, Are the Good Times Really Over? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. All great songs. Yeah. It really, I mean, it just really pulls uh, on your mm-hmm. on your heart. Um, on um, Well, it, it was dubbed as the, the, the hero of the common man. Mm-hmm. And um, so, not, and I can I can see that by his music and so forth. Um, <clears throat> Rachel, how how can my audience or my listenership uh, reach out to you and support your your efforts there? 
So there's many ways to support our museum. We are a nonprofit, despite our name, mm-hmm. um, Kern County Museum. We're not actually run by the county. We are a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So we truly appreciate and need all of the support that we can get. Um, the best ways is just through visiting the museum, paying admission, or that you can donate online, purchase a membership. Um, some of our memberships can be used all across the United States, and they're good for a year. So that's a really great way to help out, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just really showing up for events when we have them and whatnot. Exactly. Any any special events coming up this month? Oh, yeah. March? So um, in March, we are going to be having the grand opening of the new Bakersfield Sound Exhibit on March 20th from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Um, and that will be a big event. We'll have a band, um, the local band, the Soto Crackers, playing there. Mm-hmm. There will also be food and live music, and they'll be able to go in the exhibit and see all of it. Wow. And what date is that, did you say? March 20th from 20th. 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. March 20th. Yes. Yeah. I think I'll be uh, meandering over there. Uh, oh, March you should 20th. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, there's a, there's, it's, it's a great place to visit. I'm telling you, and, mm-hmm. I, and I tell you from my personal uh, experience coming through there, it's, it's really great. Well, Rachel, it's been a, a, a delight to have you on the show. I can hear the energy and, and the excitement that uh, what you're doing there, that you really do enjoy it. And I commend yes. you for that. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, so I, I again, thank you for being very gracious to be on your Lot and Parcel show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, listeners, if you have a recommendation for a show or you have a question or a comment or just want to say hello, drop me a note at charlottemparcel.org. And now, if you would excuse me. This program has been produced by Isaac Diaz with music by Echo Foxtown. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are opinions only and should not be relied on. For more information, please visit the website yourlotandparcel.com.